0: So if you decide your end goal first and then map out what it would take to get there, it's going to make it a lot easier and then be okay to change your mind. I feel like we're different people every two or three years anyway. So maybe our priorities change and life happens.
1: Welcome to the Tech Guide Podcast. I'm the show's host, Ryan Atkinson. Everyone is wanting to break into tech and have a successful career. The only problem is how? We'll use this podcast to sit down with people that have broken into tech, pivoted their career, or have actual advice to young working professionals. Today, we have Tiffany Dudu on the podcast to talk about career plannings and goals you can establish. We talk about switching it from a five year plan to a two year plan. Loved this part of the episode, how you can find what you want to do long term and advice for finding your passion. A lot of us, we want to travel, we want to have freedom. Tiffany gives actual advice to actually putting those goals concrete and how you can actually get to them. So make sure to follow or subscribe to this podcast and share with any other friends that may want a tech guide. You can also learn more about us at techguide.org. We have Tiffany Dedeau on the podcast today. Welcome, Tiffany. Super, super excited to have you on. Excited to be here. There's going to be a lot of conversation about career planning during this whole thing. But I do want to ask about like a little bit of your early life, because you got your career started with like news stations, which I think is super yeah. cool before switching to career coaching. Since you've worked with companies like Microsoft and a career advisor for Coding Dojo, you've been a career coach forever. Take me to being a news like Feels like, like working with... <laughs> Take <laughs> me to like the news station though. Like what has been something that you learned from your news station days that you've been able to apply Phoenix career Coach?
0: Oh, my, well, the career change from, from that time is also why it can relate to so many people, especially breaking into tech. But the best advice or tip that I ever learned is it's not really getting things perfect. It's about communicating mm. when things aren't going to go well and you could tell. Uh, so the communication is the key. So I like to share that with anybody that I work with.
1: I like that. Well, now, of course, I have to ask, like, take us to like the career pivot.
0: Yeah, the career pivot was because I'd reached as far as I wanted to go in TV news as a video editor, Mm -hmm. was trying to be chief editor, but I couldn't see myself there for 20 years or whatever it was going to take. So so I decided, you know what, this isn't the best place for me. I want to break out and do something new. So I really just set up a sort of a career development retreat for myself thought about what I wanted to do and then decided the best opportunity was for me to take something that I heard about like a month or so ago previously from somebody in my network and it ended up being a contract role my first contract Mm -hmm. role and my career for freelancing took off from there
1: that's awesome. Take us to the the career retreat. I'm curious, like what what can you just describe this it, career yes. retreat and like how yeah.
0: it was really I had to turn off all my devices, which that part was hard. Wow. Like I literally all I could scrounge up was like a three-day weekend. I was like, okay, I'm gonna do this. But I wanted to know what I wanted for my future. And I didn't want everybody else's voices in my head. So no TV, some music, because you can't live without music. I feel like that's required. And I just saved articles and journaled and thought about, like, what are the things that I want most out of what's next in my career and sort of mm-hmm. jotted some notes down. And by the end, I feel like, OK, I think I know what I want. And it was just a series of questions that I literally I love TV, got out of the um the actor's studio i don't know if you ever watched bravo um Mm -hmm. but it it, the host asked a series of questions at the end to sort of open up everybody before he turns the actor over to the audience and so i went through and i answered all those questions for myself it was like what's your favorite word and i'm like yes and what's your favorite what's your non-favorite word and i was like no and so i clearly (laughs) don't like to be told no
1: So there's that. So this, so are these, so what were like the questions are like, was that like a question that you asked yourself on this career retreat to understand like where you wanted to go or like, what were some of the questions that you did ask?
0: The most helpful questions were, and I altered them from the show, but it was like, what would be the best possible future for myself if money were no object? Like those kinds of questions really opened up, like, oh, I want to travel and I want to do these things. And where I came out from that was realizing I did want to travel. I didn't want to have to worry about if I was paying for it or not. And I wanted to just be creative and free with my work. And I decided I wanted to use Seattle, Washington State, as my career hub and travel from there. And I took a contract that let that happen. And so instead of me paying for trips, I ended up, I didn't know this was going to happen, but I ended up being paid to travel (laughs) and train people how to use different software. And so sometimes you decide what you want and the universe delivers and it may not be like you couldn't have planned for that. Like there's no movie script that had that in there. So those questions opened me up to the possibility.
1: Yeah, so this retreat, you got really clear. It sounds like I'm like what you wanted your career to be, and then you get this contract role to yes. travel to set up like software. Yes. Tell us like what this role is because I think a lot of young people they traveling is huge for Gen Zs and like people my age. So like, how did you get paid to travel? <laughs> That's so sweet. Yes,
0: it's a it's a contract role. Which if I would have known ahead of time, I'd probably been a little more freaked out about. So sometimes taking yeah. the leap. <laughs> Is the big part. And it was on site at different locations. And this time it was TV news. So I got to go to different TV stations across the US, did one in Canada and then across Australia, where I got to train them how to use the software. So that was my pivot that ended up to be more technical, but it used my background. So that's why I'm a big proponent of using your background to target roles in a new industry. And they mm. just sent me wherever the the station that signed up needed training. And I became a consultant, walked them through how to use the software. And that's how I got paid
1: to travel. That's super interesting. So yeah, can you t- unpack that advice a little bit more about like using your background? to so, like switch and basically break into a n- new industry, but it sounds like you're still kind of doing the same thing or like, can you kind of unpack that a little bit?
0: Yes, And I will start unpacking that by saying, I actually now don't believe that there's such a thing as a career change. I actually think Mm. that it's just a different expression of what we already do. So for me, it was about storytelling. So I went from storytelling, video editing at a TV station to telling the story through software as a trainer, helping people to navigate that. Um, I used the knowledge that I gained and the tips that I made for myself to learn software as yeah. a way to train other people to do it. And that made it easier to make the leap. And because I used mm-hmm. my network. So as a friend that said, oh, you should try this. When I interviewed for this contract role, I thought I was interviewing and I was like, so what's next steps? And he's like, no, we're just going to hire you. Here's the contract. I was like, oh, oh. so the network got me in there. But it was because she could see how my background made sense. And I was comfortable taking that leap.
1: Interesting. So this kind of goes into a question that I have. How should someone young in their career really like identify what they enjoy and like what they like to do? I mean, is there some sort of framework? It's easy to say like, oh, I like podcasting, but like, is there like, (laughs) how do you, how how do you coach it? Like, to understand like what are you good at? What's your background? What do you strive in?
0: I look for what lights people up. When you get excited and your voice goes up and you start like talking fifty million miles a minute, well, there's a clue there. If it feels like a chore, chances are you don't want to do it. So I start people off with a bit of reflection. Just note the things that make you want to do it. That you lose time, lose track of time doing. And also if it bugs you and you think everybody should fix it, that's usually a sign that you're the one called to fix it. Like you have mm-hmm. some gifts or talents there because you can see that vision. That also I feel like is a is a clue as to what you're interested in. And then I take six, then I have people do different assessments, sometimes mm-hmm. like 16 personalities as in 16personalities.com is a great assessment because it will break it down into a fun persona that also tells you who you are in your personal life and what you like in your professional life and then use that as a guide
1: that's super interesting i want to talk about i've done so many personality tests i've I, i've done two yeah. i don't know why i've done a lot <laughs> feels like a, a lot, lot. <laughs> yeah it feels me a lot. lot is there like actual this is sounds like such like a silly question but like Is there a real alignment between like your personality and like what people strive are good at in their jobs? Because like a lot of mine was like, I'm an ENFJ, whatever that is. And a lot of it was like salespeople or like teacher, like that type of stuff. Is there like real alignment there between your personality and what you're good at in your career? There's some, but
0: there can be, but I feel like it's up to the individual when you read it, if it feels like it makes sense or it resonates Mm -hmm. with you, I think that's a good sign. I will read the list of things it tells me that I could do. Like I was always meant to be a teacher, but I'm not, I don't feel like I'm a dedicated teacher. I feel like teaching works its way as a skill throughout all the things that I do. So it might be yeah. like a guide or inspiration starting point.
1: Interesting. And so so how you give the assessment and like you understand your like clients and like you coach, it's like, hey, like, Here's what your background is. Here's like your personality. Um, What's like the next step from there? Is it then like identifying like, hey, like go get this job or like how how, like what? What's the next step after that?
0: I because I'm trained as a coach, it's it works for me to not. And this is what I love about coaching, to not tell people what to do because they're more Mm. invested if they decide what they want to do. And plus, the whole world is telling us what to do anyway. So I prefer not to be that person. But I will notice when people get excited, when they talk about what aspect or we unpack what parts of the stuff, the job or a personality assessment they don't want to embrace. And then we're like, great. Mm. Then you know what not to do. You know what to do. Then I have them go search job boards, their favorite job boards, mostly LinkedIn. Mm. And I have them use keywords and not just job titles, because that will open up the possibilities on what's out there and then have them read through and pick which ones excite them they don't have to worry about applying because that's where all the drama the internal drama and struggle goes but if they start to identify what they like in a role then we mm-hmm. need to have something more tangible to
1: work with ah interesting so And then take me kind of like through that, Then Let's say like I identify like, oh, like I like X, Y, Z job. Do you then coach the clients to coach them on like their resume and how to like stand out when you're actually applying to there? And if so, like what are some of the ways that you do that?
0: Yes, I take them through the whole process. Once they decide, yes, this is the type of role we're going to go after. Mm -hmm. I start talking them through their questions and concerns because some people are worried do I have to go back to school? I don't want to go back to school, or I think I'm qualified, or I don't think I have enough experience, or this job is weird, so i have to sell it to my family. So we talk through all of that, and then that prepares us to get to the resume. Um, Since I'm a certified resume writer as well, we start building out that material and that content together. I'll write a draft if that's what they prefer, or I'll give them feedback. And we'll talk through what should be included so that they can get their ideas down. And then we work on refining it for the job. But I find that writing to the job description is most helpful because otherwise it feels like you're writing to the universe and then you're trying to say everything you've ever done. And so you get the focus, you know, what tools and technologies and and duties to make sure to include in your resume. And that helps refine and prepare them for interviews also. So I run the whole gamut of the job search.
1: Interesting. Is there like software um is there software out there like how do you identify like the key words that an employer might be looking for from a job description?
0: How I do it. And I've already listened to some of your other podcasts so I know there's tips and tricks all the way nestled throughout. I actually have people go down to the bottom of the job description where the qualifications or requirements usually are because that's where all the tools are it feels like an open book test so they'll tell you we want you to know these programming languages and these frameworks and work with people and have this degree and this certification it's usually listed there and you want to make sure that those are included so having a skill section in your resume is critical i've worked with somebody who didn't even put microsoft office on their resume and their network knows that they know this software but they still didn't get pulled for the job because it wasn't on their keywords list so these little details Inter- make the difference but then i also have people double check their resume against the job description using software like Jobscan at jobscan.co
1: okay well what is jobscan.com this is one that i haven't heard of
0: It's an online applicant tracking system and it promotes an account, but you get up to five free scans a month and I promise I'm not affiliated with them at all. It's just really cool to like run your resume through, copy in a job description and see, oh, I missed the fact that if I'm going for a user experience role, I said UX five times, but I didn't spell out user experience at all. So the recruiter's not going to find me. So it will do that comparison for you and, and like flag you so you know, and you can fix it before you apply.
1: Interesting. I want to talk about the resume too, because you talked about one section that I personally don't have on my resume, but i thought about <laughs> including it, please. That skill section. So like what should what should one put in like a skill section? Because I've i never done it on my resume. But I'm curious, like, well, yeah, like what do you put in a skill section? In the skills
0: section, I usually do, I usually break it into two categories. One would be the technical tools. So all the Mm. languages and platforms and all this stuff. Um, And I put them in there mostly because that leaves the rest of the resume free to be more readable to the recruiter. Like if you tell them what they did and you list five tools, I'm like, I don't know what you did with these tools. So separate section for the tools. And then. Instead of doing a soft skill section, I call it business proficiencies just because business shows up a lot in in job descriptions and/or core competencies. I see some people do that. And then I'll put in there different skills like alternative words to job titles. So if you're targeting four or five different job titles, data analysts, data scientists, you get the other versions of those words in the business side of the skill section. So I would say business analysis. So you get both versions of the word and data science so that if the recruiter searches those words, then you have those in there as well. Other times I see people put in, I'm good at communication, but in the job descriptions I see written and verbal communication as a phrase a lot. So I now include that. So it's about what you consistently see that you could easily put in there that seems to be high value in the jobs when you keep reading and it says it like five times Look, clearly it's important
1: yeah well you know what's crazy like having these conversations it like really opens my mind to how much i feel like job applications like almost like a game. like it's just kind of optimizing it like your feels resume like it. To, like it feels like a game and like this whole like game thing i mean like what are like some of the hardest things or like. The hardest thing is to get right out of this game uh, of we shouldn't call it a game, but of of the job process, like what is like the if hardest it makes
0: thing? it fun, call it a game <laughs> otherwise it <laughs> feels like a lot of work <laughs> <laughs> um, it, the hardest thing about it is I feel like the hardest thing about it is writing for the two audiences there's the recruiter first. And some of them, like I've had them tell some of the job seekers I work with, we like to see bling. We want to click on some things. We want to know what you did. We want all these keywords, And then the hiring manager is like, I just want to know your thought process. So uh, writing for the two different audiences feels like the biggest struggle and knowing what all to put in there. But once you do that, it's just about tailoring it for that opportunity and I find people get too attached to what they used to do that they forget that they could take that off and just focus on what they do well now and how they can do the job that they're applying for.
1: Interesting. Let's dissect that a little bit. So you just said you get like people worry about too much like what they do, what they have done, but not like how this job, how what you've done like applies to this job. Yes. Yeah. Word vomiting there. But talk about that. Like, so yeah. how do you, Right. So it's like, well, here's how my past experiences are relevant to this job. Is it keyword optimization or like, how do you go to it?
0: When I tailor the resume or encourage people to tailor the resume, that's keyword optimization. But when you first decide, yeah. oh, I like this job and I'm going to apply. Part of this thing I think is important is to recognize why you think you like this job. You can do it. Nobody sets themselves <clears throat> up for failure. So you clearly think you can do it. So the reasons why you think you can do it should be in the resume. Oftentimes when people are not getting callbacks and I catch them with their diatribe on LinkedIn and they come talk to me, it's because they're like, oh, this would have been a shoe in role for me. I was like, great. Yeah. How do you know? And they're like, "We, I did these three things in my last job. I said, where is that in your resume? And they tell me, well, OK, I forgot to put it in there. And so that's the part, writing it for the job description can be so helpful because it reminds you of what you did. And If you only put that in there and how it positions you for success, you'll more likely get that callback.
1: I really like that. So we're winding down on time. I kind of want to hit on like a little one more bucket of like questions. And a lot of it's around like long term career planning and like goal setting So can you talk to us, like, what are some ways that someone young in their career can, like, set goals effectively so they can do well in their career?
0: Excellent question. I find that people get the itch to change jobs every two years. So even though everybody asks the question, what's your five-year plan? Yeah. You can have a long-term plan and then... I would say decide what the milestones are that get you there so that you could track your progress. Also know when opportunities get you going in that direction.
1: Yeah. Decision making as in like why you took another like this job or that job or what? Yes.
0: Absolutely. Like why you went this route versus this other route, why you took the contract role and not the full time role. Because sometimes we mm. doubt ourselves in the middle of walking out that decision. But when you yeah. write down why you chose one job over another, it can be insightful when you go back and look at it.
1: I love that. I like the thought of it, too, of, like, don't have, like, a five-year career plan. Maybe, yes, like, have a five-year career plan of like, where you want to go. Mm-hmm. But, like, I like the two-year career plan and then setting, like, what your end goal is. And for you and your example is, like, be able to travel and, like, have freedom from, like, your corporate job, Yes. Essentially.
0: Yes. I didn't even... Decide it was going to be software training, but it made the most sense because it built off of what I was doing previously and then Mm. allowed me to do the things that I really wanted to do in my life. Um, So, the aspirational goals, although you can do it in another way where it's the pay your bills job and then your passion job. That just so happens sometimes I get my one job is the passion and the pay the bills
1: job. Interesting. So, so is that something where it's like, you have to decide, do I want to have a job where like it pays the bills really well? And like, I'm like, like very finance, not financially free, but like, like it pays the bills well versus like, oh, I'm going to take a first, like a passion job where like, I'm probably paid a little bit lower, but like, it's, I'm passionate about it. How should people think about that?
0: Yeah. And that's where the writing down the decision can help. If you choose to take a role, say like nonprofit, some people go in the nonprofit sector and work for a cause, but the pay isn't always where it could be, say in the, in the full on tech sector. So that's why some of the changes or or career decisions are made. You can make it so that your job isn't your everything, which Mm. means that you can't not expecting it to both pay the bills and fill your passion. That you can say, have the pay the job, pay the bills job, and then you volunteer in your spare time and that fuels you. So you have both sides that Mm -hmm. you're expressing and then you feel balanced.
1: I really like that because one of the topics I wanted to talk about was like, basically, what, like, how do you strike that balance? I want to talk about a little bit more of like, like wanting to like strive and do like really well in your career and like. Like, get that promotion, climb the corporate ladder, whatever your end goal is with, like, a personal life. How how should someone strike that balance?
0: They should decide what it means for themselves. Everybody's going to have an opinion. So um, deciding in this phase, like, when I traveled Australia for six months on a contract, no kid, no, no family, nobody to answer to. I was like a backpack and let's go. So... There's times (laughs) in your life when that's okay, and then if that's not the time or season in your life, then decide what is, knowing that it will ebb and flow, and that if you make your decision, decide that that's important enough to stick to it. Mm -hmm. I can elaborate more about that.
1: (laughs) Oh, yes, please do. Yeah, please elaborate a little bit more on, like, sticking that decision, like, being with it so I think a lot of people yeah. like they'll switch jobs a lot but like yeah, are you happy with it like yeah so talk about that a little bit more
0: yeah the part of that could be building in a check-in with yourself like on a job search I have people check in on their job search trackers every four to six weeks but with if you're doing a two-year plan maybe every year on your birthday or some kind of calendar or in the summer when it's nice and chill yeah, You actually think about like, is this how I want to be spending my time? Is the balance there? Maybe I do want mm-hmm. more personal time to travel or work from anywhere. Then you make that, that intentional decision to go after what you actually want. And then you're more likely to achieve it than if you just bob up and down, say on the river of life and let mm-hmm. the employers dictate like, hey, we want you in the office. No, you have to work here then you actually have a little more intention behind your decision-making.
1: I really, really like that. And I think a lot of like, uh, like people my age, a lot of us like value that freedom to like work from anywhere and like work whenever. That's why I see all these people with like, oh, return to office. And I'm just like, oh my God, that sounds like the worst thing in the world to return to office. Um, right now it does. Food. Yes. Yeah. I value my kids it- so much. And I cannot even imagine returning to an office.
0: <laughs> yes, it has to be under, it has to be what you want. Some people I do run into are craving a little bit of community. So a hybrid yeah. role is really the best for them. And also when you're working remotely, I think part of what we lost with the pandemic was that commute time where you could switch on the job and switch off the job. So, So yeah. there's different things that we learn About ourselves and what we prefer. But those are some of the questions that could be asked during the interview process or the networking process too, because not every company will allow you to work from anywhere. And that's important to realize before you get committed.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. And so last question for you, this has been a great podcast, Tiffany, just general career advice for young working professionals. They want to do well in their career. They want to go far. What general just career advice would you have for them?
0: To believe in themselves. And what I mean by that is everybody will always have an opinion about everything you do. So don't forget to check in with yourself and decide, you know, is this really what works best for me right now? So that's the best advice I could give.
1: I love it. Well, Tiffany, you gave great advice throughout, actually. So uh, (laughs) some amazing advice through, yeah, throughout this episode. So thank you so, so much for joining us. A Great episode on career planning, balancing what you want to do with long-term interest. So yeah, thank you so much for joining us.
0: Thank you for having me.